Welcome, pod people, to another episode of Cinema D'Amour. I am your hostess, Lexi. With me, as always, Chuck. Jonathan. There you go. <laughs> Together, in unison, the way it should be. We are on week three of West Craven Month. Now, this month we're doing four movies, so you've got more to come from us. But this was my pick for West Craven the Month. Serpent. No, we're not talking about that one again. That's how we're done. We Shut moved beyond up. that. Also, my mom wanted to inform me that she also hates The Serpent and the Rainbow, and I stated that she likes it. So <laughs> edit, fix on that. There you go, mom. So yeah, we're, we're doing People Under the Stairs today. Uh, this was my pick. This is a movie that I'm not always aware it's a Wes Craven film. As, as I've stated repeatedly throughout this month that I am not a fan of Wes Craven, but I'm a huge fan of this movie. This came from that era of Hall- or that era of horror in like the early, early nineties, like pretty much like the 91 to like 93, 94 era. There was a lot of these like urban oriented kind of horror yeah, movies. The Candyman. Candyman, you had this movie, you had the Tales from the Hood. There was a lot leprechaun of Leprechaun in the Hood and Leprechaun that, Back to the Hood. That, I think that those came later. later but yeah, yeah. Those are, I mean, those are two thousands films. I mean, those thing. are those are great movies. We, as we well. knew when Leprechaun came out that it was gonna eventually move into the hood. Yeah. Well once I mean they went know, to what, space. Where else could they, they went go? to space tra- and I was that like, trajectory but, is one wonderful. They went to space and then they come back to the hood. Yeah. So this was this was a uh, my one of my favorites. I saw this in the theater, I believe, when it came out. So I have it that did well experience. in the theaters. It it, it did. actually was a success. This was like watching this again this time was a unique experience in a lot of ways because I'd actually just recently watched it again, but I kind of it's one of those movies where I, I forget stuff from it, kind of like Serpent, but not as bad. Where. Um, it's actually a much more slapstick kind of comedy than it is like truly horror horror. Um, it's an interesting film for Craven, but after studying Craven and having the discussions that we've been having this month and what have you, his mark is all over this movie. Like this is totally a Craven kind of offering. Uh, you know, this is an example of when he tries to do something that's not typically in his wheelhouse but he, he, he succeeds like instead of, you know, like with serpent and the rainbow, which was not in his wheelhouse and he tried something different and it didn't work out for him. I wouldn't say this is a typical Wes Craven kind of offering, but it has enough of his like fuel all throughout it that eventually you start like really seeing like, yeah, it's definitely a Wes Craven film, but I think it's his most interesting and his most original after he does like Nightmare on Elm Street and stuff like that. Cause even though Scream is a successful franchise and I know that it's got some like sort of genre defining things about it. It's not as unique or outside the box as this movie. Like this is a really wild ride of a film. Like once, once you strap in and you get in the house on this movie, it's just like, what did you sign up for? So Kind of odd, but I think this is the very first Wes Craven movie I've ever watched because it was on TV a lot when I grew up. It was, absolutely. 
yeah, I'm excited to talk about this one, honestly. I've, I've been trying to find a way to talk about it, but, you know, you never really know. And then it was like, ah, perfect opportunity. I mean, it's, it's got a great cast. The kid that yeah. plays Poindexter, a.k.a. Excellent. Dexter, a.k.a. Fool. That is the kid from The Sandlot and The Mighty Ducks movies. Okay. Then you had Ving Rhames, which... Who dies, like, almost immediately. <laughs> That's what Ving Rhames does. Right. Then we got the Big gu- Ed from Twin Peaks. And Nadine. The couple yeah. from Twin Peaks yeah. is the couple in, in this. Okay. And, and I, I really liked Big Ed a lot more in this. I liked the whole dynamic that he had <laughs> that is playing daddy. I thought that he was great in it. The little girl, I think, was in something that I, I can't remember. But the kid that I got recognize his, her. The kid that got his tongue cut out that played Roach. He is the guy from Michael Bay's very first. I, what was it? His, it was his commercial, the Got Milk commercial, where the kid. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Cookies. He had the yeah. yeah. He couldn't. He couldn't give the answer over the phone, even though he had all the shit around him. That's him. He's also he's also the paper boy in Batman Returns. I was gonna say he was in a lot of stuff back in. But the I did not yeah. recognize him he's, from, from he's that. Just, yeah, he's in everything. He's just like one of those character actors yeah. that just pops up everywhere. Because I remember him from a lot of stuff. This was not. I think this was probably his most defining role, though, because it was the most that he I think had it's control. His first. I think it's his first. It's his first. Is yeah. it interesting? Nice. Yeah. This He's is very, one of those. First. He he has that vibe of. He feels very familiar when he's he wasn't at the time. Like I almost right. felt he was somebody else. This is one of those great examples of the kind of horror that I love where I'm always talking about. I like movies that are driven by like a child protagonist and the kid in this movie. Well, is that's so a weird good. way of putting it. I do. I like movies that focus on like kids as the main characters. I like seeing the kid perspective. I think it's funny that so often when you watch movies where kids are the protagonists that they handle the situation so much more intelligently than a lot of adults because they're kids, but yet they take what they learn and they seem to apply it and it makes more sense when they do it. Whereas you watch so many things with adults and you're just like, why are you doing this? What is your, what, what is your motive for this? You, you, you kind of can eliminate that a lot more when you have kids. I find that more enjoyable in that regard. I like to eliminate stuff for me as best I can. Cause I overthink stuff when I watch it. So well, I, I remember hearing a long time ago that, like, hypothetically, there's an alien invasion. Kids will instantly accept the reality that there's an alien invasion. But adults will have, even seeing it, would have a hard time. They'd be like, no. They wouldn't be able to, right. to comprehend that. So I think it makes it a nicer experience. But then, of course, you know what always happens with kids is that nobody listens to them. And that tends to be a theme in a lot of movies. That the kid sees what happens, then nobody, whatever. But in this movie, they listen to the kid. This kid's like super, super smart for like a kid in a, a movie kind of thing. Like he handles himself really well. He doesn't panic. He doesn't like freak out. He's a boss, man. Like I love this kid. I also like the concept of they're thieves, but they're they have more morals than the people that they're robbing from the <laughs> landlords who they make them the absolute worst people that they possibly can going into the movie. So you're absolutely sympathetic for the thieves. 
So I guess the story is there are poor family living in the ghetto. They are African-American and they are demonstrating the poverty of the African-American community and that the landlord is basically just kicking them out of the apartment. And then you realize the landlord is kicking everybody out of these buildings because they just want to tear everything down and build office buildings and make more money. Fairly standard issue, kind of urban story of plate. I think they're going to have a huge problem with squatter rights, though, because they're apparently the last family in this building. Yeah. But but when Full is going to his house, he has to crawl through, like, a bunch of vagrants that are in the the lobby. The place is (laughs) jam-packed. Yeah. I also do like how... Not even that. It, there's an eviction. The landlord doesn't care. His mom has cancer. The landlord right. doesn't care. They cut to the landlord that's like, I don't care. <laughs> yeah. And then the landlord ends up being these two crazy people. And the little boy's girlfriend's boyfriend, I don't know what he is, Vin Rames character, basically. He's like, hey, why don't we steal from the landlords because they got like this big gold coin collection and we can go sell that and then you can pay your rent right and the kid decides to agree to it so then they go to the house and it's two adults and the kid and they're going to try it they're casing the joint and they go in and they decide to you know try to rob it but then when they get inside this house, which is built like a fortress and completely inaccessible from anywhere. They realize they've wandered into what is essentially a madhouse of horrors full of children that have been locked in basements and become wall creatures. And the house is run by two insane people who hunt you down and try to kill you and they've been kidnapping children to create the perfect family and they're just all kind of batshit and so the kid gets in the house the house kind of locks behind him and then he's got to figure out how to get the fuck out of the house and that's really what the film is is watching this kid move through this house of horrors and as he moves through the house the story of what these people are and what they're up to unravels as it goes along until eventually you get to the big climax at the end Chuck, did you realize that this is the second movie that Lexi picked that has a char- characters that are mommy and daddy? Uh, it's, it's it's a theme that I see continuing there. What what was my other film? Chappie. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because at one point I looked at these two and I said they do have a diant work quality about them, don't they? Yeah, I I like the I like the premise. I thought the setup was really good about why they were specifically going to rob these people because they were the landlords, and the reason he found that Ving Rames found where they lived was basically when they were robbing, uh, what was it, a, some sort of convenience liquor, kind of liquor, liquor store, liquor store. Yeah, he knew that they, that he also they, owned the landlord also owns because he owns everything, and they were trying to sell gold, so they knew that they had this gold coin, so it. I kind of like that treasure aspect of it, like not being diamonds. It's literally like gold coins. And there's a third partner that they have. And when the boy fails his thing of trying to be like a boy scout and and gain access to case the house, 
the other guy goes in as the cast man and he doesn't come back out and i just love ving rames like immediately oh he's getting the gold we gotta, we gotta he's gonna, get yeah, he's gonna he's, rip us off he's gonna yeah he's gonna rip us off and it gets i don't know i think it's funny because when they finally go in there this Finn is, Rames after, is garbage like, in this movie his character is a he's, fucking asshole he, he's not the worst but oh. he, he's how about he's when he pushes right? the kid out into the hallway and says find your own fucking hiding spot there's that <laughs> i like the kid finds the kid immediately goes in the basement and he finds the the other guy dead i can't remember what his name is the spencer they find spencer dead <laughs> and then when he tries to go find Fink rames and he sees that he sees that these people are coming. They're already home. I don't know where the hell that they went for two. When seconds. he goes to find Ving Rames is like uh, that's one of my favorite moments. That's when he's what just, I'm he's laying about, there yeah. totally like still with his head stuck in a stuck in a hole, and then he like he like taps him and he's like, "Oh, what the hell are you doing?" And he's like, "What were you doing? <laughs> just sticking your head in the wall. You look dead." Yeah, because the other guy apparently got sucked into the wall from those people, and <laughs> and Ving Rames' head's like in an air duct type thing. So it, it's like you would imagine he'd be dead too. And they have a long <laughs> conversation and they're like, dude, those, those white people are coming back. We got to get out of here. Yeah. I, I, I love the geography of this house too. It, it does remind me of a horror house. Like you, you called it a house of horrors, which it essentially is, but all these like passageways through the inside the walls and I love the character Roach. It's not really that small, but they're like, "Oh, these damn kids! They get in the wall. And we can't get. We're just, we're just too large to get into these damn walls." <laughs> yeah, right. And he's <laughs> basically an adult. Yeah. Like they're... Big Rams could have fit into that first hole that his head was sticking it out of, and I'm gonna call him Big Ed or Daddy. Daddy's like, <laughs> like, oh, I can barely get in here. And he's just yeah. fire, like wildly firing his gun. He's got a bad back. He probably, you know, he can't can't wedge himself in there. I, uh, yeah, I love like the the, uh, the, the little bathroom. like traps. Yeah, when he blows the hole out in the bathroom, and like the the opening behind it is like big enough that he could easily climb through, and he just yells down the hall and sends the dog through it. Like, yeah. And when, I guess... Yeah, when the dog jumps into the wall, that's my favorite. That's that's another part that I love too. When he's like, he sets up that trap, and they're like, they're like the dog's gonna get him, and you could just hear it running through the walls. And he hits that thing, and he shoots out of like the cupboard in their, in their kitchen. They're like, what the hell? Yeah, there's like a slide. It 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 physically doesn't make sense for how long that slide is to end well, up in in the, and then the it, kitchen. Did Roach build that trap or did they build that trap? And who built the staircase that also turns into a slide? Did they build that or did this house has so many like trap mechanisms and weird like like the stairs whatever a slide. Yeah. <laughs> Which, Which I they do kind love of when they throw Ving Rames down it and he just slides down. They kind of express that with it that it converts into a slide so they could just kind of dump bodies down it instead of having to carry it down the stairs. But it still was a weird, like, okay, why is your house so full of like all these slides? I mean, at the very least, I felt that daddy was building a lot of this stuff, but maybe Roach was stealing it and making, doing more with it. I don't know. That's it really doesn't make a lot of sense. If you think about it, were the do you think that the the because all, all the air vent things seem to be like swinging do you think those are designed for the dog to go in and out of or do you think like there's a lot of questions about the mechanisms of this house and its functionality i don't think the dog was playing 
See, it doesn't make a lot of sense either because they say, oh, we can't catch Roach. But he clearly lets the dog in when they're trying to catch Full, so... Uh, and they all look like they're set up that the dog could go in and out of them from the get-go. And it even looked like in when one of the first areas they go into, it looks like the dog's bed was there. It, it like was. like a food bowl. So yeah. it was like, the, does the dog sleep in the walls? He, like, he's Prince, right? There was yeah, one Prince. That said Prince and that, like, he, yeah, his yeah. shit was in there. But I also felt that even though his shit was in there, that Roach was stealing things. So I felt like he was he went out and like stole that shit and brought it back in. Yeah, that's very possible. What Do you think? Oh, and then if then Ving Rhames, like you said, not only about him, like that moment where he pushes him out of the of the closet, like there's not enough room in here for you when there clearly is. I like when the dog's getting let into the house and he's like, you just stand there and I'll I'll get him from behind. Yeah, this I'll, hide, yeah I'll hide behind you and he'll get you. I'll it get him in time. Like, it was more like that dog is going to maul the shit out of you and then I'll try to save you. <laughs> That dog was like fixated on on Vin Rames too. It's good. That was it was a good dog movie. I I I do like the Rottweiler. At, like it it was a good boy. <laughs> I like that dog a lot. Like it's a good dog movie until he got stabbed by a bayonet. Yeah, I watched. I had a movie marathon a long time ago, and this was one of the movies. And the other one was the Hills Have Eyes remake, and I can't remember what the third one was. The dog died in every single movie, <laughs> <laughs> in all of them. That well, was that the would... overarching theme. Wes Craven is not scared to kill dogs. He doesn't understand that you're not supposed to do that. I, I personally, I'm always here for it. it. My my big thing is. I'm always 100% more on board for any film that is willing to kill kids and dogs. That's my favorite. That's why I like The Blob so much. Because I remember when I was a kid watching the remake of The Blob. You said, I wish something would kill me. I hate kids. And, and then there was that fucking, that asshole kid throughout the entire movie. The, the little blonde kid who's always wearing headphones and he's just being a piece of shit. And then The Blob comes along and eats him. And I was like, this is the best movie I've ever seen. I they love this movie so much. Kill children. I'm here for it. I'm always here for killing kids. <laughs> <laughs> Especially if they make them little assholes first. Like, yeah, oh, absolutely. That That's why when I watched the Babadook, this is the worst movie I ever saw. Like, oh my god, I hate <laughs> the that only, movie. <laughs> the only thing that made sense to me in that movie was the third act where the mom wanted to kill the kid. I mean, I, know I wanted to kill was, the like, kid possessed or whatever, but I was all kid for was a, killing. Of oh my kid. God. That kid was awful. And I get like he was supposed to be, but they should have had some sort of like way to make you feel some sort of sympathy for him or something. Like they just didn't bother. It was weird. He was just like, ah, and he's like kicking the back of the chair. Like I'm like, nah, I just kill him. I, th I think going back to people under the stairs, I'm not a big fan of the second people act. under the stairs. Isn't that what it is? People under the stairs. No, I meant That's... like you weren't. A, I thought you were going to say you were not a big fan of the actual people. No. Under the stairs. No, actually, I thought they were interesting, although I didn't understand why being trapped. Like I could see like being really pale, but why did their eyes turn black? And why did they like have that? flashlights? He gave them flashlights. They yeah, specifically said that. So they they can, explain that. You know. And he, he keeps giving them batteries and everything? Yes, That's he says that. 
He gives he that one guy that, a TV. He, he said they the keep him in the wall and they give them flashlights and food and just basically sustain them. That's like entirely their choice. Yeah, they give them all the flashlights and everything. They you know what? It. It, uh, maybe the part that's hardest for me to believe is the person that plays mommy reminds me a lot of my own mother and I don't <laughs> see them going out and buying flashlights. Like, you know, and stocking up on... on double d batteries to get those things going <laughs> that's the stretch it's not anything else in the entire movie it's the fact that they give them flashlights and batteries but uh i don't i don't like that the kid gets out of the house and then goes back to the house to get the girl out like this but is why? the same oh, because this is the same shit as serpent in the rainbow the guy got out of a terrible situation he doesn't need to go back and no, it's but the like, kid ha- but morally, the kid has to go back because he pr- he knows he has to go back and save that. Cr- he could choose to be an asshole and be like, "I'm not. I'm my life saved. I'm I'm never going back there again." But he has a moral obligation to go back and rescue that girl. There's probably a better way to handle it than what he did, though. I mean, I and mean, then you don't get. Well, he tried better... calling the cops, and the cops wouldn't do anything. So I mean, that's fair. There's nothing else to do. The cops are the cops are all like, "Oh, tea and." That, I love that too when like the cops are in and they're they've like completely fixed everything up in like a, an absurdly fast time. The whole house is like redone and then uh I love that they do truly go back to like the nineteen fifties like mom and dad. Like he wears like he wears like his bass fishing cap and smokes a pipe and is just like, Oh well, you know, mother and I we just uh, you know, just try to keep keep things calm, you know, this neighborhood's getting rough and we're just trying to be the good guys. Yeah, like when the mom was with a girl and like pushed her to like that the mess of all the blood and she like like pushed her down this into the mud to like earth blood and was like clean up this mess and then took her and put her in like the hot boiling water like you're dirty. That's borderline close to what I went through as a kid to be <laughs> honest with you. I had that same shit. I I one time had my mom come in and was like, you need to clean your room. I'm like, it is clean. And she swiped everything off my desk onto the floor. And she's like, now clean it up. And I'm like, you're crazy. Sounds like you need some therapy. And she brought, this is my therapy. (laughs) (laughs) He's not going to pay for that. When he can just talk to us about the hill, the the people under the stairs. You're like have stairs. You're like, <laughs> you're like Lexi. I'm really glad that you picked the people under the stairs. It's such a relatable film for me. It's just like my own childhood. <laughs> you know that kid confused the entire movie. I didn't think I'd have such a personal experience with this film, but here I am reliving my childhood. My dad wasn't a gimp, though, so kind of like. <laughs> I'm glad that they never really, really explain why. That's like his his go to. Like every time, it's like you need to find that kid, and then he just immediately is like, "I gotta get my suit on." It makes the whole daddy thing a lot. Better, I know though. it makes it. It makes well, it great. There's also a point where the mother makes him put it on, so he's also forced to wear it because yeah, they have when a weird she made sexual... that dress for the girl. <laughs> She probably made the gimp suit for her, right. for daddy. Yeah. One thing I, I definitely, once it came up, I went, oh, Wes Craven has a thing for incest. 
was like, he's got a lot of movies about incest. Like, I don't lot. know, but currently that's the thing in, in like reality. <laughs> I mean, I can tell you stories about incest, but I don't want to get into that on here. <laughs> it's not funny out of context. It's really weird. Like, <laughs> <laughs> That's even it better. It like not funny. Yes, it's creepy. Right. You want to hear a terrible story? <laughs> Here's the subject, but I won't go into it. Uh, well, I can tell you that cousin Randy, we just found out, is actually Uncle Randy. <laughs> Are you a Targaryen? I mean, it sounds like it these days. The more I learn, the more I'm like, hmm. <laughs> At least you're not more like, hmm. <laughs> I mean, when it's in all Rome, how you say it's all how you say things, right? Exactly. So, yeah, people under the stairs, it's just <laughs> bat shit crazy, but it is fun. Like, it's it so put, fun. It puts you in a protagonist point of view that you normally wouldn't be in. It's not just the kid; it's the fact that you're, you know, breaking into this house, little B and E little bit of theft and then it like you said the crazy house of horrors and what's going on like the family is weird to begin with and the little girl has locks on her doors but then there's that moment where she's looking for a fork and she's like oh i can't find that fork and a hand comes out the wall with like here's your fork and and that is like the first sign of well what the fuck is really happening in this house and it's just completely normal for them they're like she's feeding that thing in the walls again yeah they don't even think it's weird they're just like uh that thing that keeps coming out of the walls and doing stuff i guess guess he's just in there and we can't like that there's something about that just being like the plot of this film there's just a guy in the walls and they can't get him out well they're supposedly very religious too and they have this like maybe it's more racism but when they know that kid they're like oh it's definitely racism yeah when they have the hat and they know that that it's the kid that was the boy scout they're like oh man he better not be by our daughter like if he gets near our daughter that's it but you have this person in the wall that totally has access to your daughter so yeah where do you draw the line i don't know apparently skin color it's interesting to me that this movie does such a great job of giving us just the right amount of time with both families like i want to know about the main character's family but like it's not super important but they give me everything that i need to like understand that family and understand their plight and then we get just enough time with the psychopath family in this movie that we can take them in as characters and truly like get to know them and enjoy them and there's a really great balance between like everything in this movie it's really successful in that way I really appreciate that. The pacing is excellent in this movie. Like such good pacing. Like everything's like rapid fire. Like it's just going, going, going. And it doesn't, when it has its slow moments, the slow moments work really well. They help you kind of like take the tension down again and then just throw you right back into it. It's really well done in that way. Like I appreciate films that have like this kind of pacing. Or like when they kill Prince and daddy starts dancing and mommy has, wants nothing to do with it. <laughs> and then he has like this really weird reaction where it's where he's 
after he realizes he killed the dog, and he's just like, oh, no, I killed Prince. <laughs> it's so <laughs> weird. Like, He's extremely weird. This movie, like, one thing I was thinking about when I was watching it, I was like, this is probably a pretty good family horror. Like, I was like, this is, like, really good for, like, everybody that can get together and watch it. And then there are moments in it, and I'm like, except this part, and maybe this part. And then I was like, it's really, like, interesting in that regard that it's not sure 100% if it wants to be, like, a cartoon. Because, like, it's got some real slapstick cartoon moments, like, especially with uh, Daddy. Daddy's, like, a cartoon character, like, through and through. Like, he's Hulk rubber. runs and, like, out of the wall and punches him in the in the balls <laughs> that was yeah. the best that was the fucking best he just charged out and punches it right in the there, dick. yeah there's a, there's a lot of parts that straight up look like home alone like uh, when daddy like sticks his head through the door when he like busts it in and fools like standing over him with uh that like drop piece the of the top of the toilet the, yeah 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 drop the drop the brick down the chimney on his head when he's like what? when he's sitting there there's so many like uh, I think home alone, alone type moments. stole that yeah <laughs> right so like it's like it goes cartoony but then like i mean when like they show like the vin rames character all chopped up and like them eating the pieces and stuff i'm like i don't know man there's like some stuff here where it just and there's some definitely some like language and subject matter that i feel like you're going to be like having to talk to your kids afterwards but like i feel like the meat of the film for kids it's a movie about kids right (laughs) right I just like I always like to find like that family horror. I'm like, look at this. Everybody can watch this. This is great. But then it was like, eh, I don't know. Maybe maybe not. Maybe 13. I think 13 is appropriate. We could go with 13 on this. That's fine. I probably watched it younger. I probably did, too. I think I saw well, it. Like I said, I saw it in the theater. So I don't I don't remember the exact date that it came out. But yeah, I was probably 10. So. And. Before we got into the podcast, we were talking a little bit about your favorite filmmaker of, of the current times, Jordan Peele. And this movie is supposed to be being remade with him producing. Yeah. We talked about that in the first episode of West Craven Month when we were talking about The uh, Serpent of the Rainbow. Me and Chuck talked about it. You weren't there for it. But uh, yeah, he's supposed to be redoing this. I think he's a perfect choice for it. I think he'll be able to take it and see here's the question that i was gonna but pose he's not to the director no he's not he's just producing is he writing yeah, he, at least he, i don't know i think it's gonna be a lot like Candyman. he didn't really have like he got the rights and he got his people together to do can- i thought Candyman turned out really well Candyman was excellent i really enjoyed it i thought they really built on the lore and made something more out of it i thought it was a good evolution of the character but if there's any movie that should be done by a black director, it's definitely the people on the stairs. So that's something I wanted to talk about then. Uh, we we talked about, you know, um, the Tales from the Hood and um, the other uh, Candyman and things like that. These movies are all made by white people. <laughs> and this one in particular was written and directed by Wes Craven. So he like wrote this movie as well do you think this movie is disrespectful to african-americans short answer no i think he handles it very well but i also feel that when you have a movie that takes place in the ghetto and you're gonna make all your characters black you know you're you're 
it's a touchy subject, I think. And I, I feel at least like don't think anyone's like a stereotype, at least. No, nobody nobody feels like a stereotype at all. Actually, the the only character that really comes off like a stereotype to me is the landlord, like being an awful person. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I I think there are a couple of moments in it where I'm kind of like, mm, but I couldn't really find anything straight that made me go like, oh, he's disrespectful. He shouldn't be doing this. But I do think like it says something about that time period where they made so many of these great prolific what I what I initially would think of as black horror, but they're not black horror. You know what I mean? Like they're kind of black horror, but I mean they're made by white people, yeah, so like are they some, black horror? Yeah, I think maybe I'm confusing it, but there was a movie that came out recently, The Last Black Man in San Francisco. And I think it's like, oh, it's a black movie, but I don't think the director is black, unless I'm wrong. Right, and I mean, we've been talking about a lot of films recently that cover black subject matter that are not directed by black people. I don't always think like you have to be a black director to tell. Like, I don't think you needed to be a black director to make people under the stairs. I think this was, but do you think like? let's say like you made this movie today, like in 2022 and you're just this white, white guy who makes horror movies, you know, you're prolific and you're like, I'm going to make this horror movie. And you just go in and you cast a whole bunch of like black roles and black subjects and well, stuff I'll tell like you that. How it is. You cast Samuel L. Jackson. So he's there and he's got your back and he's like, this is the guy that has to make this movie. You have to have somebody, <laughs> you have to have somebody in your corner to say that. Well, I mean, and do like you think Chuck that's said, what it is, it, or do you think you just go forward and make it and see how it turns out? I mean, I I think that that's what you do. I, I really do, I, I I don't really like. I do think that the environment that you grew up in is going to affect the way that you see the world a hundred percent. But I don't think that Wes Craven he tiptoed around a lot of it, and and it, I don't think anything really came off racist. But I'm also a white guy, I, so I will I will knows? say. There are some lines in the movie that I couldn't help but wonder if it was of the era or what he interpreted as black lingo kind of thing. Because there's some moments like when the kid delivers some lines and stuff like that. And I'm like, I wonder if they let the kid kind of just do your own thing. You know what I mean? Like, give it some flavor, but do your own kind of thing. Or if he sat down and he wrote some of these lines, because I was like, some of these lines are like what a white guy thinks like urban speak would be. Well, I mean, in all honestly, honestly, if you watch or listen to music from that era, that, that kind of cheesiness is in the very much so. Yeah. It's, it's thankfully kind of gone now. Yeah. The 90, 92 hip hop era had like some hard shit. I know what you're talking about. Really cheesy stuff. You're like, you're listening to it. And you think this is not what Tupac would be saying. This is what what the Fresh Prince would be saying. Like that's, that's yeah. And like y'all whack. It's like all right. <laughs> yeah, that's you know, <laughs> yeah, that's a uh, Fresh Prince stuff right there. Yeah. So there's so like not, some moments yeah, it's in not it wrong. Where it just it just it's time. It's it doesn't age well. That's for sure. I think that Jordan Peele is an excellent choice for going. I personally, I, I don't think you remake this movie, 
But I think if you want to remake this movie that are you talking legacy sequels? No, I think like if you do, like I think it's one of those movies where you do do exactly what we're talking about, where you hand it to somebody like Jordan Peele or another prolific African-American director and say, hey, take this classic horror film and kind of make it more functional for a modern age and spruce it up in spots a little bit because everything in it is current. It's very much as current as do the right thing in that way. Like these people are dealing with landlords, jacking prices up, pushing them out of their homes. Like nothing has changed. Everything in this story is still prevalent and relevant today. In fact, the, the housing situation that the kids dealing with is like insanely like current. Like that's a big thing that's going on right now. So really you could remake this movie and make it function really well for the modern climate because it works perfectly. But then the other side of it too, is that this movie's fun as fuck. And like, if you want to go back and just kind of like spice it up and do more with it, you can, but I don't know, man, you're going to have a hard time finding a kid who's as good an actor as that kid. He's so good in this movie. I mean, I also think too the approach to making a movie, remaking a movie or jumping back into a franchise should be, what's the best franchise to tell the story that I want to tell? So what social issues or whatever you want to talk about, does it correlate into that character? Does it correlate into that movie? Do you have some sort of connection to that theme, that something that you have to tell? I think that's what's going to make a really good movie. And I feel like when they ask Jordan Peele, like, you know, what what would he like to tackle? And he's like, I'm taking the people under the stairs. There's a reason for that. We don't know what it is. We're not going to know what it is until we see this movie. But uh, I think I think I'm you don't want to make it. You don't want to make it heavy-handed, though. Like I think that okay. Like this movie starts out with like a a heavy subject, like cancer. No, no. Well, cancer. Uh urban plight um housing cost housing issues um poverty um systemic racism like there's all those like important subjects well no what you do is you start like it starts with all those subjects right and then once you get into the the meat of the film all of that goes out the window. It's just about watching this kid like survive this situation. And I think like the really appealing part of this movie is that it's almost like um, magic. You know what I mean? Like it's not literal magic, but it has like a magic quality. Like, yeah, like this kid's taken hand. out of that environment and he's thrown into what is like something that nobody could ever envision and fathom is going on. It's so far outside of the realm of reality that you can't possibly picture it. So I just kind of wish the kid had some sort of skills that would come into play. Well, if you, if you don't, if you re if you redo it, you don't want to like try to force too many like social commentary messages into it. Cause like it really is just a fun. No, you don't movie. force anything into it. If it doesn't happen naturally, it doesn't belong in the movie. Right. Yeah. But everything's like, that's, that's the only problem is how many things, like, everything that's rebooted now is like that it's all super serious like you know the they did the 
the Fresh Prince of Bel Air reboot where it's it's not oh my god it's not comedic it's super serious like Will's getting in hardcore gang violence like people getting murdered in the streets and it's like oh I just wanted a funny show about you know a guy moving to California Some, with his family somebody and, didn't want that show yeah 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 nobody wanted somebody that said show apparently we had that so show already so it's like that's that's my only thought is like that yeah because that's then that becomes the question is like you're saying like well then why remake people under the stairs unless your goal is to do something completely different with it and go like way harder in the other direction of yeah it's like very much about all the social issues and really downplaying any of those comedic elements i because yeah you could get heavy-handed with this really easy real quick like you could do lots of like driving through neighborhoods and showing the level of poverty and what the family's doing to it because there's like when they drive to the house they're like everybody around here is poor except them and it was like yeah i didn't get that impression like i wasn't didn't really feel that way like it didn't feel like the ghetto to me kind of thing it just felt like their house is a fortress and everybody around them is just kind of poor and that's it. So, I mean, it's the, it has, the subject. I can't that, talk about it, but it has a lot of connections with a recent movie, Barbarian. I, I won't say anything because I know you haven't watched it. I mean, this movie, they already did remake this movie, basically. It's uh, Don't Breathe. That movie is literally oh, this yeah. movie. It's like it's the exact same plot of breaking into a guy's house and it <laughs> turns out that it's blind. Yeah, except yeah. he's it's it's that, that movie, movie maybe even more this, disturbing. That's disgusting. A, yeah, I hate that movie. To, <laughs> I fucking can't stand people. that. God damn it. That movie's yeah. so fucking gross. That was a it's weird so movie. That, that was that was the last thing I thought that movie was going towards when we went and yeah, saw that. Absolutely. <laughs> I I, um, I was like, I don't want to watch this anymore. I'm done. Like, could this just be over? Yeah, they made right. a sequel. He had, a, he had the dog too, right? Yeah, yeah I think he had, he had a, dog a dog there. It's like it's like everything. It, it almost is. It's the exact same general plot of he's like he's like the last house that no no one else lives around him, and left. everyone's like, yeah. It's That's like the, uh, yeah. Is that the same actor from like Hobo with Avatar? a Shotgun and and VF? No, that's Ava- Rutger just, Hauer. Just Avatar. He's only been in Avatar. He's and he's gonna be in Avatar too. And three, and four. was that the guy from Avatar? And don't yeah. don't breathe. His name's like Stephen, Stephen Lang. Lang. Oh yeah. man, did you see that VFW? That was excellent. That one and Hobo with a Shotgun. He's not Hobo with a Shotgun. No. That's Rucker Hauer. Yeah, but you know, but you do you know VFW? The one about the old guys at the VFW have to fight to save their lives, and they have to like mow down like billions of people at the VFW. Just a bunch of old war guys. I haven't seen that. That's a really good movie. It's on Shutter. I recommend it. It's an interesting film. Uh, Jacob was a big fan of that one. He, he actually told me about it initially, I believe. Yeah, I'm, I'm that... trying to think of like, there hasn't been a horror movie that I haven't caught within the last couple of years that didn't have some sort of buzz leading up to it. Yeah. I like to find stuff on my own. That's why I like Shutter. Cause I just sometimes I just drop stuff on there and you're like, all right, I don't know anything about this. I'm just I had Shutter for two months to watch Ghost Watch and never watch anything else. <laughs> I, I watch I Shutter the same all thing. the time. I think I even paid for it for like two months before I was like, I have to cancel Shutter. Yeah. And it said, "Do you want a free month?" And I said, "Sure." And then I didn't watch anything. I think I got charged another month. I'm like, shit, I gotta, I gotta stop with these streaming I, services. I, I pay for Shutter. I've been paying for Shutter since it came out. So. There's a lot of good horror movies on Criterion Channel right now. Are there? It's Halloween, so I can see that. And I mean, AMC like... has 
a lot of really good horror that they let go at this time like, of year. Like they, they have the keep there right now, and they said for like a forty year old movie that's really never been touched, it looks great. And you can't find it anywhere, so stuff like that. I'm like, oh yeah, I definitely will check that out. What's the last Wes Craven film that we're covering this month? Cursed. And it's oh, that's next right. Week. Okay, yeah. I need to watch that still. I was just seeing if there's correlation between that one and this one, but I don't think there is. <laughs> no, I have so much to say about that movie because we'll get into it. You guys will <laughs> understand why we have to talk about it. Kind of agree with what you guys were talking about on the first episode of how close all these movies are, except Cursed is almost a good 15 years after people wanted the stairs. So we don't really get like a, a wide variety of, of him. It, it's it, the films are so close together that you don't really see a, a huge amount of change. But when we do something like, um, Neil Blomkamp, I mean, he only had three, only has three. Well, he has his fourth movie. We no one watched, but his three movies did come out pretty, <laughs> pretty close together. So, it's it's kind of hard to see the change, and you can only see the the common themes between them. And I yeah. do think that Craven becomes mostly a better director as time goes on, being that he has control. Because what's really interesting, and when we get to Cursed, the Serpent and the Rainbow, Shocker and Cursed, are all movies that were basically out of his control. I think People Under the Stairs is the only one that like <laughs> worked in his favor that we're talking about worked in his favor and is in the movie that he wanted to make. I think I he should why be proud of this movie. Like if I was Wes Craven, I would be like, "This was the greatest film I made, hands down." I think he was proud of this movie. I mean, yeah, Nightmare on Elm Street's a franchise. It's definitely like a, a game changer, but like. And he's I, proud of that movie, but I don't even think he. I, think I he would got be tired of the franchise. so proud of this movie. I would be so proud of making this. Like, I could make no other movie after this and be okay with it if I made a film like this. Like, this is the kind of film that I love. Like, these are my kind of movies, like all day. But what if it got way out of control and became this huge franchise of shitty movies? Well, and you th- and you and you say I'm proud because I made the first good movie. But... I think that. <laughs> Well, that seems to be a problem with him in general, though, because he did, you know, he's got a couple of those under his belt. Well, I, don't think I mean, Nightmare gets on Elm... better as it goes on. So here's the difference: Nightmare on Elm Street. He made the first movie. He kind of is like Carpenter with Halloween. He like gets weaned off of it and has nothing to do with them. Pretty early on, he does come back um, and kind of like he does he comes full... Yeah, he comes kind of full circle with it. But the difference is with Scream, up until his death, he did all of the movies. He directed and wrote. Well, he didn't write it. It was uh, Kevin he did Williamson. Switch writers, except for the third one. I can't remember. Yeah, who did somebody, that. I think he dropped out at some point. But yeah, uh, Kevin Williamson. But it's it's him keeping the franchise. And I think his goal, if he didn't die, was to just you know always continue to do these movies every so often. I, I thought New Nightmare was a brilliant film. I actually kind of for a long time thought that was one of his best movies because like it 
it really does a good job of acknowledging the franchise, acknowledging the stars of the franchise, like going back to all of that. Cause he does that before scream. Am I correct on that? Like that. Yeah. That's why he does scream. Like that's what rolls into it's like scream. the trial I, run for scream. It really is. I think that's uh, a better film than scream. He's great in it. And Robert England playing himself. Oh, he's so good. Wes Craven playing himself. Wes Craven's pretty funny in well, it. Wes Craven's then, best then... performance is uh, clearly Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back when he played himself. Where he's Scream 4. Yeah, where, he, where it's the, the really Wes, a monkey. But even the idea of like Freddy evolving outside of the, the franchise character at the end of the series and becoming its own like in flesh kind of entity and it's got like the bone finger and like the weird head and what have you. I was like, I'm okay with all of this. It like, kind of has really like that works. weird American gods thing where if yeah. you believe it in it, you can will it to life. And that's kind of a cool aspect. I mean, that's the boogeyman in general. I think the worst you part of that movie is the kid. Thing? Little kids like the worst part of that entire oh, film, I love but... that kid. Well, if you don't like that kid, then you watch Pet Cemetery because he gets run over. <laughs> yeah, he does. I remember. <laughs> that kid was He also huge. comes back from the dead. And you get to watch him die again. So you, yeah. can, you can watch the same kid die twice. That kid was in everything back in the day. He was a big actor. Like, he was a big 90s kid actor for sure. He actually, I don't think he was in that much. He was just in really big things all at the same time. I, I think Kindergarten Cop, this, yeah. and and Pet Cemetery. And then I think he really kind of just falls off the face of the earth then. Because if you watch those movies, he's all just pretty, pretty much the same age. He's like four, yeah. five, six. Gotta work them till they get old, right? <laughs> he got too old. Well, he's seven years old. We gotta get rid of that old man now. And then they switched to Kirtland Mead, and then we had to tolerate him for about ten years. Yeah, I mean, I like night, a new nightmare. I always think of that playground scene where he's like somehow gets at the very top of this like very scary, ridiculous play. I don't know what you would even call it. Obstacle? Court. What do you call What's that? that? What do kids play with? Jungle gym. Play set? Jungle gym. That's I the guess slide. A, well, the it has like a weird to the top of it. Well, it has like that weird tower, and he somehow ends on top of the tower. And, right. And, it's... and then That's the simplicity what... of it too. I mean, we'll we'll have to talk about it eventually. But I love when they go to the nightmare world, and it's just sliding through bed sheets. Like that had to be the cheapest thing to ever do, and it works so well with your character, Freddy Krueger. I think it's nice that we can talk about like, I know not every film we talk about as a franchise, but like with horror, it's so rare to see if a horror film not get turned into like some kind of bastardization or remade or any of that kind of stuff. And every Wes Craven movie we're talking about no franchise. Right. And that's None cool. Of them. <laughs> I mean, three, still, three of them just cause they were kind of failures. This is the only one that this is the only one I feel like that, that no one would have wanted to have franchise because it works so well just as its own thing. Like I could really, really see su- Shocker being a getting at least like one sequel or something. I'm Shocker, really surprised there's not a people under the stairs too, made by somebody else for TV. That's really shitty. I'm, I'm yeah. surprised there's, it just doesn't exist. I think there's plenty to work with in people under the stairs to make a sequel if you wanted to. I think you can do a lot with it in a lot of ways. Um, because there's a lot to to ask like 
I mean, the people under the stairs just walk out of the house at the end of the movie. Like, what happens to them? Yeah, where what do happens they go? To the kid, like the 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 people they weren't out on the streets. I don't know what they that's call the it. sequel. <laughs> the, the family wasn't killed. Like, they're not dead. So, like, they still exist. They could come back again and go back to their house. They in some become way. the people under the stairs. They could. They could do that. I mean, there's. <laughs> it's like the shining. Um, the made-for-TV movie where they rebuild it, but now the, the mommy and daddy are living in the walls. Right. <laughs> I think there's a lot to go back to if you really wanted to. But They're I still think... around. They were both in Twin Peaks The Return. They're live. I've never watched Twin Peaks. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, don't like to, I don't like David Lynch. Well, you might like the show. The well, you might like the first two seasons of the show because it's not strong with David Lynch. It kind of gets away from David Lynch. Yeah, but the return, the return is full, full on David Lynch. <laughs> it's David Lynch. David Lynch. Yeah. It's the most David Lynch you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, man. The Lost it's Highway is pretty out. David Lynch. Oh no, it's... it goes way beyond. Oh, it goes beyond God. beyond Mulholland Drive, beyond Inland Empire. It is the. <laughs> The episode I with nine inch nails is like yeah. amazing. It, it is peak, peak David Lynch. It's peak Twin Peaks. That it's makes peak me Twin watch Peaks. It I mean, it's pretty insane. Like, I feel like you'd all, you might almost enjoy it for just how utterly insane that entire the return season is. Because it's just what there was like fifteen episodes, and it is just like fifteen hours. Eighteen. I couldn't remember how yeah. long. It's like it's just eighteen hours of pure insanity it just won't stop also kyle mclaughlin's best performance is uh dougie he plays three people yeah he plays he plays so many different characters in that season that's great. and they're all wildly different it's like they replaced david bowie with a teapot there's yeah a talking teapot yeah i forgot about that there's a talking tree that replaces the midget and yeah, half oh, the people so died before this before the season could even start because he waited too some, long. Some people he filmed scenes with them because they were dying. Yeah, and they're very the clearly so sick, like they're they have cancer and they're dying. And he's like, "Quick, we got to film these scenes." Like he filmed the stuff with the log lady, like years ten before years they before the show. I, I don't know. Are we not selling it for you? I'm just like I. I think Eddie Vedder's in it. There's a musical yeah, act. There's there's like a musical. It's like a Saturday Night Live. There's like a musical act in the club at the end uh, of every episode. Like, you, I, I would almost say you might enjoy it more if you don't even watch any other Twin Peaks other than just start with the return and just start go from with there. The return, okay. Just start from the return and go from there. Don't even watch the don't watch the movie and don't watch the first two seasons. <laughs> just just see if you can even remotely comprehend what's going on. Firewalk with me. Yeah, skip yeah, that one. Don't watch that. <laughs> don't watch it. Just watch the, the return. Oh, I don't man. know. If... You make me want to watch the return. I know. I want to. I like want to watch Twin Peaks now. Now that I'm thinking about it, that's so funny. I don't know if there's much more to say about people under the stairs. I'm sure there's a shit ton to say about it, but we all have to end the podcast somewhere, right? Well, I just like. I think we covered it pretty well. I mean, it's a really good film. There's a lot of interesting scenes and stuff like that. And I don't really think you should say too much without like, cause you could ruin it for people. I mean, I mean, not, not that we usually care about that. It's an old movie, but like, you should go watch this movie. Like, it's really fun. 
It's really good. I mean, we ruined it. Like, if you listened to us at all, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. made it to this point <laughs> in the episode. We don't have to go with, like scene by kind scene, of kind of. Thing, I mean, we like, didn't t- we didn't really go over the climax. We don't have to. The climax, yeah. We didn't really say a hundred percent how things go down. Yeah. I do. I I did say I don't like that he goes back for a second act, and I don't like the that uh, we go back into the house because it's like one thing I do like hate are movies where people get out of something that's horrible. And then turn around and go back into it. They're like, oh, I'm prepared now. It's like, you ain't prepared. Like, nobody's truly prepared for any of this kind of shit. But that's so, what I'm saying. It's justified because he's not prepared, but he has that moral obligation. That's it. That's all. The re- that's the reason he has to go back in. He at least has a better funny. excuse than, like, we, we mentioned, like, Serpent and the Rainbow, which oh the woman God. has, like, the stupidest excuse for why he needs to go back. I got to go back. I think why? that I think uh. that girl. I think that girl was in love with me. We uh we we messed around in a cave one time, and I'm pretty sure she's still into me. I think we, I think I gotta go back. We're going back. We're going back to the island. Yeah, we have to go back. We gotta go back. Do Do you find lost that insanely <laughs> quotable? Yes. <laughs> do you, Do you find like modern film doesn't do that as much? Like I don't know. I I don't feel like I feel like the getting out of something terrible and then going back into it is not as common in modern horror as it is in older horror. Like that seems to be like an eighties nineties thing for sure. It's cause everyone like, it's the same as like you're saying everyone nowadays, especially almost like, especially like the people that have grown up with something like scream that like points out how you shouldn't do things like that. Like now it's now it's, that's what everyone thinks Screen about is things. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it did, even if you don't like the movies, it did change things just from, it made people like super aware of all those tropes of horror movies that like, yeah, why does that guy, movies. why does that guy keep, yeah, scary, yeah, scary movie does the same thing, but it's like, I think it does make people like, no one would truly believe that someone would go back into a, a house like that to just to save somebody. Uh, they'd be like, no, absolutely not. That guy would not go anywhere near that house ever again. He'd run as far away as humanly possible. You like, get like a gun and like shoot the person as they knock, like, after you uh, knock yeah. on the door or something. You know what film trope drives me fucking insane? And I don't understand how Hollywood can still think it's an acceptable film trope to use in this day and age. The The running to your car... And going to start the car and the car goes like it's like <laughs> trying to start and I'm like I prefer modern them cars in the keys that makes more sense like but, oh, shit. but modern cars don't do that like like I was watching um what was it that um Soul Station or whatever the the animated sequel to um, Train to Busan or the prequel to Train to Busan and the guy's got a brand new Kia uh, Optima. He gets out of the car, he does something, and then he runs back to the car and he goes to start it, and the car starts going. Wah, 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 wah. And I'm like, I work for Kia. I'm like, they don't do that. And I'm I mean, like, there's a lot I, of stuff like that that they are throwing by the wayside. But like, where like something else has has to happen. Or what? What person that I've lived... seen recently is like we talked about it with our Halloween episodes when we talked about the 2018 Halloween. You laugh like, oh, Michael got out again on Halloween night. But they have a character that that set it up to get him out. So it it they have reasons that make it 
you know, less insane. That's, you the, know, only time like, it, that's the only time it would make sense is like you, you need to like set up in your film that like the character has a junk car, like show, exactly. him, show him multiple exactly. times. Being like, man, this man, this thing never show wants the to car start is for problematic. Me, like, you have to show me the car is probably yeah, when it's like a when brand you show new me car like rolled brand off new the escalade lot. and they go up and they're trying to start their brand new escalade and it's like choo, 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 choo. i'm like they don't do that you know what they it don't do that be. the killer's chasing the person they get in their brand new escalade they turn on the car and it just blows up for no reason at all <laughs> I, I just like I, I mean i don't understand a lot of things that i watch where they do that though like because the thing the thing about that and i know i know like people were like well you're a car person that's why you care about it. i'm like no I'm like, cars haven't done that for more than 30 years. Actually, nothing that takes you out of the movie should really be there. Like, I just don't understand, like, how you can look at something like that and not do, like, what Chuck Every, said. Everyone, everyone you, has that. You, you give me exposition as to why the car is broken. I'm not going to say shit about it. But when you give me a brand new modern car and then all of a sudden the engine's flooding, I'm like, it has fuel injection, dude. It's not going to fucking do that. <laughs> or you got to have, like, Rob Zombie's Halloween do. Where he can't drive the car because he's lifting it up and flipping it over. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> there's there's plenty of ways to have a car not run and not do the, the that trope. There's been like plenty that. of movies. I can't think of off the top of my head, sadly. But there's been plenty of movies where I think something is stupid, but then they have a, a good reason for it later. But I do like the I do love plants and payoffs. So it's like, yeah, the shitty car that doesn't work. That yeah. But then I have to work like, with it and I can accept it. Like I just I just can't accept anything that was made in the last like five years behaving that way. Like, or like take something like the shining when Jack goes in and he starts ripping apart the snow cat. Like and he does the same thing to the radio. Right. So when she's trying to make her escape, like it makes so it makes a lot more sense. But like, okay, like look at Gen Z. No one from Gen Z has ever in their life seen a car. That goes unless they have some fucking dad who likes beaters and has like some old beater and teaches them about stuff. Any kid who grew up in the modern era has never physically seen a car that does that. So why would you keep that trope going if literally a whole generation has never had cars? You know what? That now do that? it's going to be like the Tesla and like they can't open the handle because oh, it won't. Let's it won't talk come about out. the <laughs> Tesla in Texas Chainsaw that was the stupidest fucking thing I've ever seen in my entire life, where the auto drive system just like drove off with her standing in the car. I'm like, it doesn't work that way. It's hmm. like now it's like the polar opposite. You're like went down this sci-fi uh, I'm road. I'm sorry, but the the poorest don't know that, so they get away. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah, okay then. Siri <laughs> <laughs> wanted to get out of Tesla's work. We're good. That new Texas Chainsaw was a fucking joke. The movie was so bad. It's the second time now I've brought You're it up. You're talking about the Netflix one where he like yeah. busted it. He busted into the yeah, wall I'm talk- chainsaw. I'm talking about there. Texas Chainsaw House of Wax. That's what that was. That was House of Wax 2004 with Texas Chainsaw strapped over it. Literally. Oh, I have that. We should do that movie. I am not doing that movie again. You want to do that movie? I did a whole month about Vincent Price and he talked about it there. You no, can go back he's and not in this one. The 2000 and yeah, the one with I My know. Chemical Romance and stuff. We did, yeah. we did the remake. Well, that was the whole... We, we had a whole conversation about Paris Hilton in that one and 
that was the selling point of that movie was getting to watch Paris Hilton die. I still remember the end of that movie where they're like, there wasn't two brothers. There was three. And I just wish that he said a different number, like like some insane, like four or five. Seven. There were seven. And it doesn't make any, like that's where the movie should have ended. There's a, there's a movie. It's something trap. I can't remember the, the, the first name of it, but it's about this guy who takes mannequins and sets them up out in this. The parent like, trap? No. <laughs> but the House of Wax remake is a remake of that horror movie. It's not even a remake of House of Wax. I can't remember the name of it, though. It's something trap. Anyway, it, it it's not. We're not talking about that. We're not here for that. I just, this is the second time I mean, now. It's I want to talk about the people under the stairs. You brought up House of Wax. Oh, my God. I'm not being blamed for this. You took us down. I, this road. I didn't say that. I didn't bring up Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> I did. That's fair. Chuck did it. It's his fault. No, Chuck yeah. brought up Twin Peaks: The Return. I think. I don't know. He probably didn't. Bring it up. <laughs> he, but he sold it. He really sold it. Yeah. Every episode should just be Chuck being like, you know what? I really want to watch Twin Peaks: Twin Peaks: yeah. The Return. <laughs> No matter what it is, <laughs> like yeah, always connect it back to that. Uh, when I first on my original podcast that I did with Grayson, he would always bring up like Alien or Terminator in every single episode ever. Like everything was related back to those two movies, and I think that's what Chuck needs to do with Twin Peaks: The Return. <laughs> they are really good movies. Like oh, just like Twin Peaks: The Return. I especially like Alien. I'm a big Alien fan. I didn't really think it was Alien as much as Aliens. It was the Cameron. It was James Cameron oh, specifically, yeah. The Cameron one. The Cameron one's yeah. good. I like that one. They're all good. I think all of them are good. I like three. People hate three. I think three... I don't think David Fincher should feel as bad about Alien 3 as he does. No, really the only bad ones are the that Alien vs. Predator record. AVP films are terrible. They're so bad. I mean, you went and got Paul fucking Anderson to go do the the first one. I don't know why you would ever get him to fucking ruin another franchise, but there you go. And then the sequel, I don't even understand what happened with the sequel. The thing is really honest with you, I never finished it. I I I couldn't watch it. I turned it off. Well, I, I it's never like, went back to it. I read long ago that the script that they initially intended for AVP, and they threw it out. And then they made the one that got made. And then for the sequel, they just dug in the trash can and pulled out that fucking script that they initially had for the first film and just dusted it off and made it the fucking sequel. And I was like, this wasn't a good idea. Like, why did you do that? But the thing that really astonishes me about that movie is that it has some of the best like costumes and creature effects for Predator and Alien films. And so it becomes even more difficult to watch because it's literally like just watching like a small town in America be thrashed by two of like the most brutal creatures in all hey. of existence. And we it's not entertaining. It like, I mean, we if did, you really... we've only done, I think of all the alien and predator movies. I think we've only talked about predator two. I don't think, I think we even talked about predator one. I think you got to like go through alien and then through predator. And then you can do the AVPs, but you got to go through both to get to you those. Do both, both franchises in chronological order. I'm here for that. I like the Predator films. I like the Alien films. I think they're all good. You do realize you're going to end on Prey. Well, I don't think Prey was the worst thing I've seen. I just, 
I didn't really care for it. It's just, I don't know. It, oh, yeah. As long it, as it's a franchise that we want to commit to, because that's a lot of movies. I think the last really great modern Predator film was that one that... Um, Predators. Predators, yeah, with uh, fucking Adrian, uh, Adrian Brody. Brody. He was excellent in that movie. He was so good in that. He's a good actor. Yeah, he's just like... I guess he's hard to work with. Like, uh, yeah, I thought you said only, he was blacklisted. Only Wes Anderson will work with him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, The Pianist is an excellent film. He's amazing. All his movies movie. are—he's good in everything he's in. Uh, he wasn't so good in uh, King Kong. I'd say that's probably oh. his weakest. But he didn't really I don't do think anything. He's bad in that. In that. He just doesn't have a lot to do with yeah, it. Yeah, it's not really good in that. But I don't think anybody's good in that. So um, I hate that movie. That Andy Circus is great in it. <laughs> we we Naomi talked about Watts that movie. Is good in it. You were there for the I hate. <laughs> What's his Jack face? Black. No, no. Um, I I said that it was. Um, why can't I think of the director's name? Peter, Peter Jackson. Jackson. It was Peter Jackson's masturbatory fantasy. That's what that it, movie was. It was. No one <laughs> argued that. It's just a giant masturbation fest. That's all it is. I'm not watching that again. I'm done. Well, you're only done if we don't pick the movie. Oh, my God. I guess that's fair. That's them rules. That's the rules <laughs> we made. I wouldn't want to torture people, and we just watched it, so I don't. I wouldn't pick it. But, you know, I don't know when the last time Chuck watched the movie. Maybe he wants to watch a three-hour King Kong don't, movie. Don't make him watch that again. What you know he saw it. What are you talking about? Don't make him watch. I just said that he would have to make us watch it. That's what I said. I said, I'm not picking it anytime soon. He's like sitting there. He's like, I'm going to make them watch that fucking Peter Jackson King Kong. He's now. in a very dark space, but I can see a smile. Right. <laughs> so maybe he is thinking about making us watch it. No, he's I'm like, just thinking you about know the return still. <laughs> you know, it's almost as long as Twin Peaks the return <laughs> King Kong. <laughs> Uh. Yeah. Uh, anyways, the people under the stairs. If you somehow <laughs> have not watched this movie, find it. It's. I would say it's a cult classic because almost any time you is. bring up the people Absolutely. under the stairs, usually people watch it, and if they've watched it, they're like, "Oh yeah, that was a good." Like, it's usually pretty mutually agreed upon. It's beloved it's in the horror community movie. for sure. Absolutely. I just. Like I said, I never realized it was Wes Craven. And now that I realize, that's one thing that this month has taught me that I have now finally been able to really pinpoint. It's, this whole month's been, or year working on this show has been interesting, where getting to watch these directors' films like over and over, like back to back kind of thing, you really start to see their style and try to pull their style. And some of these directors, I just never thought of their style. Like I never really thought of them having one. Or having like a particular whatever, and it's like interesting to see how specific Craven's style is. He's got a very particular like yeah, thing and I going mean like on. if you try to think about more modern Craven too, uh, I remember liking Red Eye, which was like a really short thriller. I think it's like eighty yeah. minutes or something. I don't remember his. He did another one with kids that was like my soul. Music to take. from the heart. My soul to take. That was not a good movie at all. Oh. That was that was rough. 
I was talking about the one with the, the way about the choir music from the heart. No, I I have didn't even know that it existed. So that's what I learned from from our episodes. I, I saw not it, know that he I saw it in the theater. Serious movie. <laughs> I think Chuck, didn't you say he won an award? Like he was up for an Academy Award for that or something? Music. I think, I think something. the music got nominated. Yeah. Yeah. Because I remember when that movie came out, that movie was a big deal. Hey, it I was... never saw the straight story. I never saw David Lynch's like family film. What's that? It's on Disney Plus. It's a Disney movie. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah, it's Who real. Who let him make a kids movie? Disney. <laughs> oh my god. Disney was like, yep. How much dancing is in t- it? It was probably right after Lost Highway. They're like this like guy. Uncomfortable dancing, really. Not the good do guy. Straight story. <laughs> uncomfortable dancing. They're like, some... they're like Disney's. Like we saw your Dune, and we think you are well suited for a family film. He somehow like came back because like I watched Kyle MacLachlan talking about Blue Velvet, and Blue oh Velvet God. they were supposed to do before Dune, but then Dune being the bigger project became came out first and he was like i thought that was the end of our careers <laughs> like how we managed to still end up doing blue velvet and redeeming ourselves uh, like i don't even know how that's <laughs> happened you can't drop see and that's different from then to today somebody makes a dud today and they don't let them touch anything ever again right they could have they could have made like four great films in a row like think of um i think of like m night Shyamalan. Where like his movies were like big sellers, and then it got what about to a Zack point Snyder. Where, he makes terrible st- films, and he keeps getting fucking handed movies. His movies never succeed. I'm talking about the opposite, though. I'm talking. Well, actually, his movies, Zack Snyder's movies, are like critically panned, but people are watching them. Eyeballs are watching them. It's making money. Batman I mean, I lo- Superman is garbage, and it made so much money. I liked that one. <laughs> I, I just thought Ben Affleck was an Chuck excellent Batman. We gotta we gotta talk about who we let on this podcast. Yeah, yeah. To reconsider this. Remember what I said: film is subjective. Not Batman vs Superman, though. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. The Dawn of Justice. That's yeah. I wouldn't call it a good film. I just liked uh, Ben Affleck as Batman. I thought he did a really good job. I think he was a good Batman too. I just think that the movie was tortured a lot. I, I think like the thing that people misunderstand with Batman is that you need a really solid actor to play Bruce Wayne. You don't need an actor to play Batman. You can put whoever the fuck you want in the suit. You can digitally cover his eyes with some shit and what have you. You can put a fucking ninja in the suit. It doesn't matter because the suits just for action sequences Man, and stuff like that. Really, but like, I really love Diane. You're bringing up ninja now. Oh, well, I mean, this is the you second time they've been brought up in this. In the suit. <laughs> Ninja's Batman. I would really love that experiment of a character that plays Bruce Wayne and a different character that plays Batman. Like, like it's clearly not him under the mask. It's, it's just, I don't know. I think that'd be fantastic. But, like, that's why um, 89 Batman is so good, because Michael Keaton is a fucking great Bruce Wayne doesn't matter that he puts on the suit the suit's irrelevant like his bruce wayne was excellent 
he did the million dollar playboy stuff really well and i thought ben affleck was perfectly suited for it. i thought uh christian bale was a fucking terrible choice for bruce wayne like just awful no, but I, he's... I, I, I thought he was fine no he wasn't he's was awful it was so like Amer- we, when we did American Psycho, we definitely could see why excellent was, movie. That's a we great could see movie. why he was picked as a Bruce Wayne type. I I I can see what you're saying. I see what you're saying on that. So you're saying Bruce Wayne kills hookers. That's what we're saying. I mean, right. it does it does end that movie with the Joker card, and it's like the American Psycho scene with the business cards. That's a great scene. That's a great movie. Very well written. Batman Begins is good, yeah. Oh my god, I hate you. I'm sorry. Actually, I'm not sorry. Batman lives under I'm the not, stairs. Is he I'm a not, person under the stairs? He he is. He's under like um a lot of stairs. He's really far down there. <laughs> but yeah, next week we will be talking about Wes Craven's really fucking messy werewolf movie Curse. and we're gonna have jacob on jacob we we said it in this episode so you best be on that's right you have to be here now we start the episode we're like well jacob's not here it, it could happen he's too busy watching twin peaks the return All right, that was uh, that was a fun. But where did you guys see? I mean, I own the people under the stairs. Where did you watch I, it, Lexi? I own the people under the stairs. Oh shit! All right, well, I have no idea where the stream at. Maybe Pluto TV. It's on Peacock because I own it. Oh, it's nice. Easy to get it off the shelf. I love this new phase of you, Chuck. You're surrounded by hundreds of movies, and you're like, uh, if it's streaming. Heaven forbid I have Those to just my pull it out of a plastic case and start up replayer. <laughs> Everything I on went the shelves, effort. It's just, a, it's just a backup. Oh, I could put I, it in my I Xbox, moved. but uh, there's already another disc in there, so I'm going to have to take I, that disc out. I moved okay, I think, to uh, my new home, and I specifically said, I cannot watch this movie until my stuff is set up so I can physically put the movie in. And Rachel's like, just stream it. And I'm like, no, I can't stream it. I own the movie. Why would I stream it if I own it? She's like, you're an idiot. I think Elysium might still be in my DVD player, my Blu-ray player. Nice. nice. Yeah. <laughs> It's a good movie. It gets stuck in there. It's the only one. And we uh, check out our Elysium episode with Chuck Hosted. <laughs> he did. Matt Damon. Oh, man. But yeah, Cursed is coming out next Friday, and then kind of a week off, and then we'll on Halloween. Halloween ends. Our anniversary episode. Stay tuned. Thanks for listening. Bye. We are Cinema Demore. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter to stay up to date with news and information on upcoming episodes. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, Amazon Music, Audible, Pandora, Alexa, or iHeartRadio. It would be greatly appreciated if you subscribe to our podcast on your platform of choice. We also appreciate feedback, so rate us, review us, and let us know what you think. And above all else, thank you for listening.